<laughs> so welcome everybody. We're going to spend some time in Hebrews and I thought we're going to we're going to move along a little quickly in this intro part so that because we know people have been waiting. So let's pray. Oh, wonderful God, we ask you to open our minds and our hearts and help us to hear and discuss and be curious about what you would have us know during this time. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, what what do you know about Hebrews? He makes good coffee. Sorry. <laughs> is that a coffee shop? <laughs> it is. I heard once that, um, not heard once, but I've heard several times that we don't know for sure who wrote it. Right. And I think I remembered that because um, the person that said it to me said it could have been written by a woman. So that was interesting to me okay. that perhaps it was written by a woman, but maybe not. We just really don't know is what I've heard. Right. And that is that is what I know is that we don't know. Um, and there's some thought, you know, most of the epistles are written as letters to churches or communities. Um, and Hebrews is a little bit different. It's not written in the same style um, as the, what was that? I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't think it was anything at my house. So the, it was written, it's written in a different style. It doesn't start out like to the people of, or blessings to you in the same way that some of the other epistles um are done kelly disappeared yeah she's she's coming back i think okay so anyway um and so what we do know is that it was probably written between 60 and 90 a.d so late in the first century and there's some thought that it was um, actually written that it was a sermon that was preached and so because it reads a little bit like a sermon um, and it has a message that's kind of like a sermon. And so there's some thought, some uh, biblical scholars and commentaries will say that it was a sermon that was preached and recorded, obviously by hand. And then that that sermon was taken to other churches and preached. So it was. Um, and part of that was the important um, background of why do we have Hebrews? Why, why, what was the purpose of it being written? And so I wanted to start a little bit of that. So let me just ask you for a minute. How many different voices do you hear in your head at any given time? Like not schizophrenic voices, but you know, I imagine that you have a crowd of dogs and they're among this crowd of dogs, all of a sudden two or three people start to whistle, like for a dog. What do the dogs do? They're like, who, who is that? Who's calling? Who's whistling? So if you think about that from our perspective in our world, how many of those voices do you have going on in your head on a regular basis? My mother, my father, um, my husband, mm -hmm. God's words. 
myself, my, a lot of myself, a lot of yourself. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we often have a lot of self-talk going on. Right mm -hmm. now, we're in a time and a season in the world where it's like talk, 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 talk. There are things coming at us from all over the place. And so the part of the purpose of Hebrews and part of our time together is that Hebrews is a call to two things. One is it's a call to listen to what God has to say. And the reason for that is back then and even now, some people aren't listening to what God has to say. And some of it's because of all those voices. So if you imagine that somebody who is a faithful Christian, someone who um, even reads the Bible, and then they're in a life situation where they, they kind of get a little bit of a hint as to what God wants, but then they bolt. They don't bolt like away from faith. They just are on their way on a journey without catching the rest of the story. Um, we're not in our current era. I mean, not just this time because it's so chaotic. We're not typically good listeners. Um, and sometimes when it comes to faith, people will start talking. We'll be like, I know that. I know that. I already read that. Yep, I remember that. And we kind of, hmm. Sometimes I find, and maybe you do, that when you're reading scripture for one thing and then you go away from it, then you come back to it, you see something you never saw before. Uh -huh. So Hebrews is a call for us to listen to God. It was a call for the people that were listening and listening to this sermon, as some people said, wherever it was preached, to listen to God. The second part, which we'll hear pretty clearly, is that the message was to pay attention to the fact that Jesus was the most important messenger. That listen to God, but now we're asking something. The people um, in the communities, they were used to hearing about listening to God. They knew the commandments. They kind of had the gist of the, the Jewish way of life and listening to God and going to temple. Jesus was a whole different story. And this wasn't so long after Jesus had died and um, was resurrected and then ascended. And most people were not Christians. So it kind of gives you an idea of why did people need to be reminded to not only listen to God, but to listen and to look at the teachings by story at that time of what Jesus said. Um, and so one, uh, one person described it as that not only um, were not very many people Christian, but some of the people in the neighborhoods where some of the people that were listening to this sermon or reading this letter ultimately, but we know that they heard it verbally back then. Was can I, can I jump in for a moment? Yes. Linda, is there a TV on where you are? I just turned oh. it down. <laughs> you have your ear earbuds in, right? So you yeah. can okay. <laughs> I, I did hear it too. Thank you. And I was like, please tell me we're not going back to that trouble again. Yeah, no. Um okay, good. So it was a non-Christian community. And mm -hmm. so if this was in fact a sermon that was sent around to a variety of churches to be heard, what you have is a group of believers listening to a sermon 
reminding them, don't get distracted by other messengers. Don't go down the wrong path because their neighbors, many of them were saying, were criticizing them, um, were even, they talk about the fact that back then there might even pe did people who vandalized their property and their home um, in somewhat ridicule of the fact that this wasn't, this, you know, this is just nonsense, this um, belief that Jesus is the actual one that we should listen to. And so it's, um, it's one of the things, and we, one commentator, I wanted to read this just because he says it better than I do. Seeing his fellow Christians in danger of jumping ship, one inspired teacher put together a powerful sermon that pulled out all the stops to show why leaving wasn't a good idea. The sermon later passed around as a letter we now call the book of Hebrews has as its central theme, the complete superiority of Christianity as a way of life. Um, so I find that to be quite interesting because as I said, when you read the other letters, um, that it's surrounded by, you have letters that are specific community and you can figure out what was going on. This one, um, Hebrews is sort of pointed in the direction of communities that are small Christian communities in non-Christian environments, probably hearing <laughs> sermons and house churches and things like that. So I, I wanted us, we're gonna take a look at it um, and the, we're going to look at the first, tonight we're going to look at the first and second chapters, but what I want us to do as we listen to this, this first chapter is to think what is being told and why. So if you've heard the why of Hebrews and the context of Hebrews, then as we read this, then let's hear um, what we might. And so I'm, I, have, I have two versions in front of me. One is NRSV and the other one um, is the Common English Bible. I don't know um, how different they might be. So I'm gonna start with the NRSV um, because that's the more probably it's, it's it's more authentic historically, although the Common English Bible is pretty highly reputed. So I'm just going to read the, the 14 verses. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So I'm gonna pause there and you think, well, what's with the angels? You know, it's, yeah. What is your, what is your understanding of angels in the, in the biblical story and their job throughout all the way back to the beginning? To be messengers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And warriors. And warriors. Angel armies. Angel armies, yeah. Yeah. It's um. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, if people are familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, or even if they're familiar with the story around Jesus' conception and birth, even if they don't buy that he's the savior, angels are a big deal. And it's not that we think angels are not. A, we would you compare Jesus to an angel? No. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. But the people who are listening just might. And so we read in verse four, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than, than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today mm -hmm. I have begotten you. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And so we've got this direct line to People heard God say this about Jesus. I don't think we ever heard anything like that, not even vaguely like that about angels. Angels did what God told them to do. Yeah. Um, they did not, they did not practice, they were representative of God, but not like, not like Jesus. Um, and so then, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Of the, of the, but of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like clothing, like a cloak. You will roll them up and like clothing, they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will never end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angel spirits in the divine service sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Um, and, you know, the, the common English Bible isn't really that much different. But so when we hear this and we think about what is being said, what are some of the convincing words and phrases that are used to help the people who are who might be listening, um, what kind of tools is the writer of the sermon using to help to convince people that this is the right, this is the real thing, this is who you should follow? Does anything jump out? That the angels will worship him. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if he was an angel, there would be no, the angels would worship him. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just seems really um, in stark contrast, like just almost ridiculously different, you know, that he's going to have, God never says to the angels, I'll make your enemies into a footstool. He only yeah. says to his son. It's, right. it's almost just kind of almost overly exaggerated just to make the point, maybe. Which... How do you think, what, what about that could communicate anything to 
our time mm. to the people that we're engaged with um, or no, does it have any place or is it mm. more appropriate then, but not now? I don't know if this is what you're going for, but I um, like, I think a lot of times people almost worship things other than Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit. And they might even think that they're being spiritual about it, you know, that, that um, whether it's a medium or somebody else that can talk to the dead or, you know, somebody that feels like they have an angel that talks to them or they saw something. I think that it always worries me that they're kind of worshiping that instead of realizing that God wants to talk to us directly. That we don't need that intercession. Mm -hmm. Anything you have anything, Linda? Um, I guess too, with all this virus going on, it, it just makes me think that people have to re remember too that sports, you know, people worship these athletes and it's not what life is all about. Mm -hmm. I think um, we could probably expand that to be any famous people. Right. That yeah. Become um, in some ways idols. I mean, we used to think of maybe I can remember a time when to call somebody an idol would be a poster you'd have on your bedroom wall. Right. You just idol. Sean Cassidy. Isn't it interesting that as we grow in our awareness of scripture, an idol is a whole different thing. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I've known people, and maybe you have too, who you may hear them talk a lot about Jesus, but there's other people or musicians or whatever that they talk about, and it feels sometimes like they're the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just, the, 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 the passion and the enthusiasm at least coming out is the same. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think about groups like you two and some of the other um, groups that maybe you can think of who are not Christian per se, but have a lot of the same values. Um, yeah. And maybe there's others that you know that people of faith are kind of drawn to but you hear them talk and they're like, they do anything to go to one of those concerts, anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But how does that kind of cross over into would the you, way they live the other parts of their lives? Would you do um, anything to go to church and worship God? Yeah. Right. And sometimes I, and I, um, I was debating whether I should say this out loud, but I, I think that even pastor Tom at times, people almost worshiped him Yes, came to see him. And I love mm -hmm. him dearly. Um, but I even had to tell myself that, you know, I'm not there worshiping him. He's, he's, you know, giving messages and such, but our, the church is to worship Jesus and whether he's there or not, or whether you're there, Pastor Kathy, and I'm sure we're going to feel the same way, you know, and I've, I've done a lot of um, Beth Moore Bible study. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And, I, and I've often said to people that I, I try hard not to worship her just because I think she's so good at what she does, 
but I have to remember she is just one human as frail mm -hmm. as we all are. And you know, that um, it's always gotta be about Jesus and not coming just because somebody's a good speaker or what have you, you know, that, right. that you wanna be there for God. I, did you yeah. did you see my Facebook post today? I didn't. I haven't gone on. What'd you put? What, whenever I dream about somebody, it's God's way of telling me either to pray for them ah. or to get in touch with them. But last I night, see that. I don't know if I saw all of it, but I did see it. Last night, I felt like it was more about the message that I was getting from this dream because I dreamt that I was at a church service and um, the group that was leading the music, there was someone who was not normally part of that group up there with them. And in between songs, that person was trying to say something that that person was feeling. And the group just would go on to the next song and they kept going on to the next song and not letting her speak. And I felt like God was telling me it's not about the performance. It's about the spirit moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I saw um, something today that was about the, the call of Christians. And one of our first responsibilities is to listen. Mm -hmm. And part of where Hebrews is going is, who are we listening to? And I know that there's, uh, I'm in a couple of um, pretty sizable clergy women groups. One of them's United Methodist, the other one's all kinds of background. And so periodically somebody will say, well, what kind of studies are you doing? What kind of studies do you recommend? And I would say about 75% of what shows up is Adam Hamilton. Now, oh, yeah, similar to what you were saying, Kelly, Adam Hamilton is a prolific writer, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of appeal um, in some of the studies and things that he's done, but he's just a man right. who happens mm -hmm. to be a great researcher and a great writer, and I like his studies. They often come with a DVD and a book. And if you read the book, you don't need the DVD because he just kind of does what's in the book. Um, but people just gravitate towards him and his work. And I, I find myself wanting to ask, but who else? Who are we mm -hmm. not listening to? As Is it just my published their first book or whatever? I don't think writer um, there. And there are others that we can talk about. And I I'm always interested in who's who's somebody new or different yeah. that brings the same intellect and the same skills to the to the work, but is looking through a different from a through a different lens. Mm -hmm. um, and mostly I just look because I don't find a lot. Um, I listen and then I go Google things and look at them on Amazon and find that uh, there are lots and lots of good things out there. There's no question, but it's not necessarily something, um, I don't find it easy to find things that just kind of jump out 
yeah, mm -hmm. at me in terms of of some of this kind of a kind of stuff. And so one of the things that um, the the one this one person who writes about this particular passage says it's called Hebrews as God's communication. Hebrews can seem alien and confusing to the modern reader, although older Bible translations call it the epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. It's quite unlike Paul's other letters. Nobody knows who wrote it, whoever it was, educated, cultured person who had meditated long and deeply on the Jewish scriptures. He was also trained in rhetoric and influenced by contemporary intellectual currents, especially by Plato's idea that the world we live in is only a shadowy, imperfect copy of ultimate reality. Hebrews is so attuned to the dominant Greek culture that it even quotes from the Greek translation of the Old Testament, used mostly by Jews outside of Palestine, instead of the original Hebrew. Most of what we know about the Old Testament we find is in Hebrew, and that's what if you're going to study the Old Testament, you learn Hebrew. If you're going to study the New Testament, you learn Greek. So mm -hmm. to hear about Greek, uh, you know, that that this person who wrote this um, wrote it attuned to the Greek culture in the Old Testament and the Greek translation and instead of the Hebrew original. Yet it often reads like a Jewish midrash, which is like a commentary on current reality. Uh, clearly, like people today, this writer and his audience were immersed in a stew of interacting and sometimes contradictory influences. Hebrews demonstrates that God speaks through and to the assumptions and experiences of every age. The book also shows that we too need to interpret our faith in light of our own time as well as in the light of the long history of God's work. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get to is what is in this that both speaks to my story and speaks to my ministry mm -hmm. who am i listening to and am i sometimes searching around like i was describing me looking at different studies not just now but at any time what what am i looking for why do i keep searching if you've led Bible studies, you kind of know how that goes. And mm -hmm. you can get carried away and get so frustrated and overwhelmed that you're like, I don't know. And right. then back to here we go to our Bibles to try to see what does this mean? Um, and so it's, I don't know what it looks like in your Bibles, but from after verse five, there's after all when God did when God when did God ever say to any of the angels and then from there um, down to through verse 12 it's in italics yeah is yours well, like that mine's quotes oh is it quotes it's in quotes yeah what, what about yours Kelly is it quotes it's in quotes and kind of set apart like the typesetting is indented yeah. right mm -hmm. that's how mine is too yeah. it's in it's in italics and so I think that, oh, let me ask you why. Oh, turn <laughs> can you see it? Yeah, 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 I can. And I this is the same Bible as you, Linda. 
Oh, the Life Application Bible? Yep. Yeah, it's I love it. NIV version? Yep. So um, what does the, what do your boxes have to tell you in your Life Application Bible about Hebrews? Yeah. Um, yeah, boxes? I always, when my son first got his, his first teen Bible and he was being confirmed in what was Matt's church at the time, but I was sitting there with him and while Matt was doing something else, we're reading all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> all the study boxes because they're so inspiring. Right. These, it's, it's, it's at the bottom of the pages. Oh, okay. And what and I like about this is it tries to bring it into day, today, how it re relates to us. Go ahead, Kelly. And it's, um, it's interesting, like, it has um, vital statistics at the beginning of each book, too. And it says... Um, I'm sorry, that's my phone and I don't know how to turn it off. Um, <laughs> it's okay, as long as we know what it is. Um, it talks about the original audience um, and it says they may have been considering a return to Judaism, perhaps right. due to the persecution of Christians. And then it talks about um, mega themes that Christ is superior. He's the high priest. He made the sacrifice. And then it talks about maturity, faith, and endurance. Um, and it does have a box about Christ and the angels that matches the Hebrews reference with the Old Testament reference. All of them, it looks like in Psalm. In right. That's what um, I have that as well. I'm just trying to think where did I put it. Um, but it does look like most of them, because I have this, this chart. Oh, yeah. and. Uh -huh. Every verse, it's Psalm, um, Psalm, Psalm, Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm. I, I also heard once that in the Old Testament, when the writer refers to an angel of God, they're talking about an angel. But when it says the angel of God, they're referring to Jesus. Hmm. So That's interesting. It, it, I thought that was. And when I went back in the few verses that I've read in the Old Testament since I heard that, it seemed to fit. Hmm. So what you're saying is that if we read in the Old Testament about the angel of God, that's Jesus. Yes, that's when God sent Jesus down. Hmm. But if it was an angel of God, it was either Gabriel or one of his other angels. That's interesting. And I wonder how that might vary between translations, you know, how True. you sort that out. Right. Um, or, you know, and it would take you, it, it'd be a good thing to look at. It would take some time to go through and find all of that. I think it was David Jeremiah that had said oh, okay. it. Mm -hmm. Another really interesting thing that one of my little boxes says is that the audience of first century Jewish Christians had developed an unbalanced belief in angels and their role. And do you know why that was? Why they, they thought angels were so important? Well, can you, I don't know if you remember, I'm gonna say, I don't know, 20, 20 years ago or so, there was a, just angels were everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. In fact, um, Somebody 
it was one of those things where I admired an angel. So then it was decided among my congregation sure. that I was collecting angels. So then I, I received a lot of angels. <laughs> and some of them had scripture on them. They were lovely. And I certainly didn't mind having them. But there was a time when it felt like we went back to that, that people were, um, there was a lot of language around having an angel on your shoulder. There were pins, there were all kinds of things that, um, all I can say is that I think it has to do with how story unfolds and the language that people use. Um, a little angel told me, right. or, yeah. you know, an angel was watching over a loved one. Those are beautiful image. There's nothing wrong with them as long as they're balanced. Right. Um, well, the very first time I did a pulpit fill, um, it was at Clarence Center, United Methodist, obviously. Um, and after church when i was greeting everybody um one of the congregants said i have second sight he said i can see angels he said there was an angel standing with you the whole time this morning oh my how God. did that feel um humbling hmm. and awesome at the same time that's um it's so I think that whether it's historic, I mean, when we think about the most of the angels that we sort of glamorize in scripture, they're the uh -huh. ones that are largely bringing good news. Right. They are the ones right. who are helping to tell what's going to happen and telling people, don't be afraid. It's going to be yeah. okay. Um, and then certainly if you study angels and especially in the old testament it's not limited to that because of the armies of angels mm -hmm. and other kinds of images but isn't that isn't that uh, doesn't that correlate with how we read the old testament because yeah. people were there was a lot of a, a more militaristic view and participation as people of faith mm -hmm. you know the people of god fought the armies against each other and so the and then when you shift into the beginning of matthew and you start to hear about jesus then these angels are different these are angels that are in well let me maybe, maybe compare it to we talk about who wrestled with jacob in the riverbed oh. we think it's it's called a man, an unnamed man, an angel. Some people interpret it as him wrestling with God. That's a pretty aggressive presentation of a messenger. Right. Next to Mary, don't be afraid. You know that God will come upon you. And, you know, of course, that's don't be afraid. But meanwhile, be terrified. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and so I think that there are I think we tend to romanticize angels yeah um, mm -hmm. and like i said i don't think there's anything bad about that but i have i have a a person i know who she'll go to a medium she um goes to church she does bible studies she does all kinds of stuff but it's kind of a little bit of everything i'm pretty i think i can probably say without a doubt that 
Christianity is first and foremost in how she looks at all of those. So I think she feels like I'm going to learn from all of them, uh, but Christianity is my center. Right. Yeah, I know someone like that. I don't have any sense as to what I would go to a medium for. Um, so I uh, about, about um, probably six or seven years ago, I had started watching that show Long Island Medium and a friend of mine kind of put me in my place and quoted, you know, the scripture. I don't know where it is now. I'd have to look it up, but that talked about like, don't go to mediums or, you know, don't use that. And I, I realized that for myself, I, I watched it cause it just kind of like affirmed for me that, that there is a God or that things are, you know, have a plan and all those things. And I thought that's ridiculous that I need to watch that. I know there is a God and I know what I know and what I believe and my salvation. And so I have to like, every once in a while, I'll go buy it on the cable channel and I'll be like, don't even look at don't it. Look, don't look. It's like <laughs> temptation. And I think that yeah. it's different if we look at something like that as just entertainment. Right. Um, I've never right. seen it, well, but I think that's where this friend and then that medium came to someplace and she went to see her. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, I think that there's nothing wrong with learning from a lot of other, it's like people who read horoscopes right. and they put their trust in what they read in the newspaper. And I can remember a million years ago when I was a teenager, I would read, mm -hmm. it was in the paper, in the newspaper. Yeah. And I would read my horoscope. I never really took it all that seriously, but I was curious. Right. Mm -hmm. I just don't care. I just don't yeah. care. <laughs> well, kind of uh, similar to what Kelly was saying, I, we always liked watching Ghost Hunters. We always got a kick out of that. And then there's also one called Ghost Adventures. I stopped watching Ghost Adventures when he started calling out demons. And it's like, I don't care if it's part of the show. I don't care if it's scripted. You're messing with fire there when you're calling out demons in Jesus's name. And that I'm like, you know what? When I'm in the house, I don't want that show on. Ghost Hunters, fine. You know, they're trying to help people that are scared in their homes. And it's fun to just watch and see them disprove things. But you know, when this other group started calling out demons, it's like, nope, nope, I'm done with that. Yeah, it's, um, we just have so many pulls on our attention as to mm -hmm. who to listen to and what to listen to. And even people who trust the scriptures for the foundation of who they are and what they believe can sometimes be, um, Many famous theologians are tortured. I mean, they live in the scriptures, they live in theology, but they're tortured by all the questions that they have. The mm -hmm. why, why is it this way? What does it mean? Why does it say that? Why does it say that here and this over here? Some mm -hmm. people might just say, oh, that's interesting that that says that this way here and this way here. I wonder why. But some theologians and some biblical scholars who partner as being theologians are tortured by it. Yeah, I think they lay awake at night trying to figure all the answers out. And I think part of what Hebrews is saying is here's the truth. It's right here. It's right here. Yeah. And that we could, if you think about it, what could we, if, if in Hebrews they put, the author puts angels 
in terms of comparing Jesus to angels, what might we, what might we in our modern era compare to? Don't mistake this. This is the answer. Because mm -hmm. even though angels have had these kind of waves of popularity, mm -hmm. it's that's what it is. It's not generally. So what about everyday people? What are mm -hmm. the the things that maybe related to faith because the angels are not bad the angels are in mm -hmm. the scriptures so in our faith life and in our presence in this world what are the things that we might kind of think oh you know this is just as important and forget that mm -hmm. jesus is really what god that's who god says was most important Right. I'm not sure even I can come up with a quick answer to that question, but I'm just curious. It always makes me think of, um, you know, friends of mine that I have that are Catholic, that I, I've done Bible studies where it's been in a very uh, ecumenical group of people with Catholics and just their whole um, belief system around saints and who to pray mm -hmm. to and all those things. And if you're going to, I can't even remember what they say, but if you're going to sell a house, there's somebody to pray to. Yeah. <laughs> if you lose something, I have a friend who's United Methodist and she, she prays to a certain saint when something's lost and she's not Catholic and never has been. Right. Right. You know, and, and my husband, Dan has really experienced it because he went to a Catholic university, but he grew up Baptist. So he went to St. Bonaventure. Oh. And um, so he's got a lot of, um, he has seen both sides of it, you know, and, and I, cause I always say to him, it's so similar and it's very, and it really is. It's obviously it's Christ at the center, but they really do have different, you know, a different belief about who you can pray to and all those things. My dad has a group of older gentlemen that meet for breakfast and different days. And a couple of them, um, my dad asked if they could, if he could pray for somebody and, and they seemed like really surprised they were they're catholic and they they just thought it was odd that he could like talk directly to god and and ask for somebody's healing you know and and that was hard for him to believe that they they couldn't you know that they didn't think yeah that it was and i don't know if they're if they're 100 percent right in their theology but they feel like that the priest has to be the one to say a prayer over you right it's, and that is i've I have, uh, I never really felt any sense of the Catholic Church not being Christian because it is Christian. Mm -hmm. I mean, they wear Christ right on their, on themselves. And, but I never really understood the, the need or the desire to pray to anybody else but mm -hmm. God. Um, right. And I have some very close family members who are Catholic, born again, slain in the spirit, the whole nine yards, yeah. but they are Roman Catholic and they, uh, they, they were part of their ministry was pursuing this one uh, woman being sainted. Now, I couldn't even tell you um, the name of this person right now who was ultimately saint, sainted, but there was this it was a saint that was about ministry to the poor and um mother teresa no 
No, it's, it's, oh. it's a more modern, it's a mother, it's a more okay. modern, not modern era, but a person who's been officially sainted in the Catholic Church, probably in the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and the saint is very has a lot of beliefs that are very similar, led a life of poverty and service and helping mm -hmm. the poor and the ministry that they have built around this, um, which is uh, to some of some parts of that are right here in Buffalo at I'm not sure it's still open, but it used to be St. Luke's um, downtown in mm -hmm. the city and um, mm. very Christ centered. But this this saint was a, a big part of this family member's pursuit. And uh, I just honor it, but don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Somebody said explained it to me once, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but somebody explained it once that like when you're praying to a saint, you're asking that saint to approach God and pray for you. So it's no different than me saying, Kelly or Pastor Kathy, would you pray for me? Right. Hmm. And it goes back to what Kelly said about the, you tell the priest and the priest prays for you. Yeah. Right. And what I don't think even Protestants realize, and I'm sorry, the light's getting kind of funky in here. I don't, oh, I'm not okay. practicing any of any of my glamour Zoom <laughs> skills because I'm supposed to have a light over here. I'm not supposed to have any shadows, but you know, I think we're, great. <laughs> we're just, yeah. we're, we're actually just moving into this. Evenings are now dark. And so right. figuring this out, but I think that Protestants um, were kind of birthed out of the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. which we were, um, right. and part of that was direct access to God, yeah. yeah, direct access to scriptures, because for generations, um, Roman Catholics didn't read the Bible, right? That wasn't encouraged because the priest was to interpret the scriptures to the parishioners. And that's evolved. That's changed. There are now Bible studies and right. all of that in the Catholic Church. There are classes that train you not only in the catechism, but in the Bible. Um, but in some ways, didn't we have it so much easier that we grew up with this thing that, well, you just talk to God. Right? Yeah. You don't need anybody else in the room. Um, By the curtain door. That's right. And I'm, I'm glad I don't have to pray through a curtain to tell somebody me too. You know what my mistakes are. God's got it. Right. Um, so, mm -hmm. well, let's let's go on to um, Hebrews two, and I'm wondering how because I would I would like to listen to you read this, and I'm wondering there are um, how many verses here? Nine? Is it nine? Eighteen. I think chapter two. Oh, yep. I stopped 18. at a paragraph. Okay, so there's 18. So how about each of you read nine? You want to start, Kelly? From sure. one to nine through nine? Yep. Mine, um, chapter two has the heading, warning to pay attention, oh. <laughs> which I think is interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding 
and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, and then this is in quotes, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make an atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I love that verse. Mm -hmm. The last one? Yeah. He is able to help those who are being tempted since he himself experienced suffering. Yeah. He was tempted. Yeah. He I knows what that, it is. Yeah. So what do you think of this, this chapter in terms of if we take it as a, the first chapter is a jumping off place in terms of um, if the purpose of it is listen to God and know that Jesus is the savior. The first um, chapter tells us 
that even though there were angels, this is how Jesus was different from the angels. This is why Jesus is much more superior. It doesn't, he doesn't say Jesus being a part of God, not specifically, but that's what he's saying, or I'm assuming it's he, but because I don't know if women preached back then, but I think it's interesting that you heard that a woman wrote it. Um, so what about chapter two? What's the key? What do you think the key takeaway is here? I'm cheating a little bit because there's a header. Oh. <laughs> in mine that you said something about being afraid or what was it? Well, you know, I didn't read the other header. The first one said warning to pay attention. But then after those verses, it said Jesus made fully human. Oh, yeah. and so I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> my and my the headers on mine, listen to the son's message. And then Jesus is the enthroned human being, which is you yeah. know, what we're talking about. And then the last section qualified to be a high priest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I find it. It's a beautiful description of the humanity of God uh, through Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, as God sent him um, in terms of the 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 verse 12 I will publicly announce your name to my brothers and sisters I will praise you in the middle of the assembly mm -hmm. I will rely on him and also here I am with the children whom God has given me therefore since the children share in flesh and blood he shared the same things in the same way and did this to destroy the devil yeah it I don't know gospel message <laughs> it is it's like there it is yeah. It is interesting that I don't know, I think if we talk about, um, he did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil, by dying. Mm -hmm. Do What do your beliefs tell you about, was the, was the devil permanently defeated? I mean, yes, Jesus triumphed. Mm -hmm. There's no question because we have life over death. But did that mean that evil went away? No, not yet. Oh, yeah. That's the final battle. That's true. Yeah. I just find it feels like the words are power over death. He destroyed. Um, but what he did was he destroyed the devil's power over death. That death was the final answer. Because in yeah. the Jewish faith, death is the end. That's that's where it ends. Um and Obviously, that's not a part of our story. Um, so it's, but it's an interesting, this is a, I find it an, uh, an excellent sense of merging the human and the divine um, in terms of why Jesus came and why he needed to be human so that he could, uh, that that way he could more um, not only represent humanity in his death, but also heal humanity in his resurrection, as opposed to, you know, you think about, um, I don't know why this movie comes to mind, but you think about the little mermaid and you have Ursula who becomes big, she's big and she's huge. And then so does the other guy, um, the, the little mermaid's father. Titan. Oh, King Titan. Yeah. 
And so Jesus, if Jesus would have powered through the, the times that he did like that, how would people relate to him? Right. right. How would right. people see their story in him? Um, and yeah. and I, I think that God knows what we're going through, but in order for him to really know is why he had to send Jesus so that he could completely understand too. Not that I don't think God understands, but kind of like I can't understand what the two of you I think that people think that God sees them the way they think that other humans see them. And or even more telling, it's the way they see themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That when we think about this chapter, about what it says around Jesus coming to be one with us, to have flesh and blood like children have flesh. I mean, they specifically talks about children to have flesh and blood like children among mm -hmm. us. And that, that that makes us, he calls brothers, the language used in mine in 12 brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. There's a familial language about it. That's very affectionate. Um, and if Jesus, we've talked about this some in some other places at the church um, about that the day that we truly believe, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself as God loves you. And we often throw that part away or mm -hmm. we, oh yeah, I know, I know. Um, and yet sometimes the way we live doesn't really demonstrate that because we, we have insecurities because we're human. We're, we don't have it all figured out. But in our insecurities, we sometimes forget that, that love, that God loves us as this much. This much is what it says right here, mm -hmm. that Jesus would become human and suffer the human indignity of persecution um, and punishment and ultimately death and even before death one of the big things is betrayal um and he did that for us and we sometimes treat ourselves as though we're unworthy yeah. or think of ourselves does that make sense yeah mm -hmm. absolutely that if the whole world could be blanketed with the holy spirit this was my prayer at staff spiritual formation today that the whole world would be blanketed with the Holy Spirit so that if people truly felt loved and honored and respected, then this would stop. This would, this would stop pitting brother against brother and sister against sister and family against family and all that's going on in our, um, in our country and across the world. Mm -hmm. That really makes me sad. And so then we can say our hope is ultimately in Christ, and it is, but where's our hope in everyday life? How is it that when we read this, don't prioritize this over what God has to say to, say to you. 
don't make things aim don't make angels or other aspects more important than what God has to say and remember that Jesus is the one there's a lot of reassurance in that but how do we integrate that into yours and my everyday life when we encounter the people that are angry angry about the the state of the world angry about injustice angry about the way justice looks angry about who's president or who's going to be president angry about the rules for church angry about okay. the things that are were being denied um and mm -hmm. in some ways angry about what we're afraid of um that i see a lot of people showing anger that comes out of they're afraid they'll never have what they used to have they're afraid that there's no that nothing's that they're that they're going to have to create a new reality and that is really frightening to people mm -hmm. yeah so it comes out sometimes as anger yeah. it's not that's not where it comes from but it comes out that way sometimes mm -hmm. so how do we how do you keep finding hope every day to be about being people of faith, people of hope. What do you do with your discouragement? I try to look at people, especially when I'm really, when I'm angry with them or I can't relate to them, or uh, I've even done this in, in my professional life. You know, when I'm sitting around a conference room table and there's people that I just disagree with or what have you, I try to step back and, and think, how does God see that person? You know, we always think about like, how does God see us? But how is how is God looking down right now? And they can, he and he, you know, all three of them, the triune God can see that person's real heart mm -hmm. and can see if they're hurting so bad that that's why they're abusive to their employees or they're, you know, miserable to be around or, you know, all of those things. And it, it, it helps a little bit to just think like, okay, God loves that person too. You know, even, even though they are perhaps not a Christian at all, God's still hoping that they'll become one and that they'll, you know, get that relationship with him. And so when I'm, I don't, I don't always do it, but when I'm having a good day, I'll do that yeah. <laughs> and try right. and try to relate to them and, and think, you know, God loves them too. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just try to remind, remind myself of God's sovereignty. Mm. That God knows what he's going to be doing with this situation. Mm -hmm. And God knows the reason that he's allowing situations to occur. Leaders to be put in place. Leaders to be dethroned. And I have to trust his plan. And I think a lot, he's got to be looking down on us just thinking, oh, I can't, I just can't believe it. I know. I, I, I picture God being the same way that I feel sometimes when I'm inundated with the news. Right. And yes. I imagine God being like, I just can't look. Right. Yeah. I can't look. What are they doing now? <laughs> and, and it's our story. We have lived this before in right. our history. It's yeah. written through the scriptures. Yeah. We have abandoned faith and chaos and turmoil has come around. And then we rediscover 
Um, it's just that this seems to be a little bit worse of a chapter than most of us have experienced. There yes. was a, a video that uh, I was reminded of in preparing for preaching this past Sunday at Niagara Falls that is, it could be considered a bit of a companion to the Matthew West video oh, in yeah. that, and, and maybe you've even seen it. It's a video of a man who's going to work and he's frustrated because a kid drives his bike across the driveway. So he has to stop and wait and he's like, ugh. And then he goes to a coffee shop and someone steps in front of him and then someone shoves in the line. And then when he gets up to the place's order, somebody steps in and he's getting all mad. He's just so put out about all of this. And he gets his coffee and he goes to sit down and somebody takes the seat. It's just like a bad morning. Yeah. And while he's sitting this, have you seen this, Kelly? No, I'm just waiting. While he's sitting there, this man who looks like uh, one of the, I don't know if it's a particular, what actor it is, but he has, he's, he's reminiscent of some of the, the black men that have been God. Oh yeah. And he hands this man a pair of glass case. And when he opens the, I can't remember what it says when he opens it. So he takes off his glasses and he puts them on. And as he looks around at the person who stepped in front of him at the person who bumped up against him, he begins to see um, their story. And like on the video, it has a little ticker tape thing that goes across um, the lost, lost, their, lost his job and is the sole supporter of his family. Um, her husband walked out after a big fight last night and hasn't come back. Uh, this one doesn't know what their life is even about and they're wondering what their purpose is. And then when he goes back to his house, the kid comes again. And at first he starts to be impatient and then he looks at him and the thing says, is in desperate need of a male, an adult male who cares wow. about a dad figure. Wow. And wow that can be correlated to Jim Carrey taking all the prayer requests in that movie where yeah. like just saying yes, 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 because he can't handle all the things that are coming and then chaos. When right. we're inundated with knowing people's stories, then we become overwhelmed just like we are now. Mm -hmm. But when we can, like you're describing Kelly, um, that even when someone is unkind, to us or we're witness to them being unkind to another person, maybe the question to ask is, I wonder what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. I wonder what happened. Maybe it's that person, you know that person well enough that they're always that way. And maybe you wonder at what, what made them become so bitter and angry. I wonder what that story is about. Um, with people mm -hmm. who are only occasionally like that, we can wonder what's happened because we often wonder what we did what we said and um, wisdom has taught me over the years that 95 percent of the time it has nothing to do with us mm -hmm. and it is something else there's something else going on mm -hmm. so i think that we are reminded in this passage jesus is the enthroned 
human being? Um, and what is humanity that you think about them? That's us, mm -hmm. that, that God even thinks of us. And when we, when we move on to the next chapters, we're going to be talking about, um, chapter three is called, We Are Jesus' House in mine. What does yours say? Christ is greater than Moses. That's your that's your chapter heading for three. Yep. And then four, mine says, enter the rest. Yeah, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm -hmm. Something to look forward to. Yeah. So we'll do we'll do those um, next week. And if you if questions mm -hmm. or you're curious about something or if you discover something and, and you know you feel yourself inclined to look up things about Hebrews, please do bring it to um, to our time together and I hope that uh, that we can be together again next week. Yeah this awesome. is great. How many people are you um, how many can it hold? do you know? We it can hold as many as we decide. I think that Adrian has it set to be um, fifteen as the maximum. Okay. Um, because of the feeling that there's can be chaos. Yeah. However, we have what we have on the screen, and then we have what people are watching, which is hard for you know. It's like I can't have two things. I've watched all of us try to watch what's going on in the comments while we're actually talking in Facebook Live and things like that. And it's very challenging. Yeah. Um, it's, I suggested for when Pastor Scott and Scott James and I start whatever we're going to be doing, I suggested that we have one person leading while the other one is keeping an eye on what's going on in comments and such. Mm -hmm. So kind of have a co-leadership there. Because Adrian was saying, he was talking about the ability to see what's going on, how people are engaging um, from another angle while this is happening. And I think he could tell that I was like, wait, wait, how are we going to navigate that? But the reality is, is that it wouldn't be hard to have another monitor here with my other laptop hooked up yeah. to one of those. I just need a bigger table. <laughs> um, don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. But I don't. Uh, but I'm. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have conversational Bible study. Yes. Instead of talking Bible study, just me talking. So, thank yeah. you. I love conversational ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because I learn from you, and we learn from each other. Right? Amen. Um, yeah, this has been great. There's a, and there's a couple of people that I want to encourage to to come join us that, that I think, yeah, don't be discouraged that there were only a couple of us that signed up <laughs> because it, I just happened to see it quickly the other day. And I was like, Oh, I want to sign up quick and be one of the first, but I think yeah. it, which we just need to, people need to know that it's happening. Right. And right. I think we, we had been um, after the, the summer and doing the, the Psalms, there was a, um, Okay, we have to decide what to do and then decide because we wanted it, because I wanted it interactional, what kind of platform do we use? And one of the advantages to this platform is the fact that it will now be recorded and that people can watch me fumble around and us get our sound all together. <laughs> um, Yay! 
but it, they will also be able to see the conversation, hear the scripture, and hopefully benefit from that in some way. So great. Well, God be with you this night. Yeah. I hope you rest well and that tomorrow is a great brand new day. That's right. Thank you. You also. Yeah, this was All wonderful. Right. Go in peace. Okay. Good night. God bless. God bless.